everybody. Welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 9, issue 416. And we're up to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, the last in our sporadic but fairly long-running series of Donkey Kong-related content. I think it's the last one anyway, if I recall correctly. Anyway, mm-hmm. joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 416, are Brian Edwards. Okay. Nice. And Darren Goggett. I am Shaven Kong. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I haven't got a quiff anymore. He's gone. Oh, yeah, no quiff. I've the man on. who would be Kong. Yeah, I've gone to Skinhead Kong. T.H. White's the man who would be Kong. <laughs> so what is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze? Well, I would suggest, listener, that if you haven't already listened to our, well, two podcasts mainly, Donkey Kong Country Trilogy Show and also our Donkey Kong Country Returns Show. But this is a sequel to that one it's a 2d platformer but with some occasional 2.5d and even 3d elements blasting out of barrels into the screen and that sort of thing Mm. it is a sequel to donkey kong country returns that was issue 399 the same developer retro studios published of course by nintendo who own donkey kong and the creative director is vince jolly who i believe worked on the uh, he was the art director on the previous game uh creative director on this one yeah uh not much to say really about the the backstory other than it's a sequel it was announced i think there's something to say about the fact that the announcement was uh, there's a couple of references to this in our listener correspondence that people were hoping that the new retro studios announcement would be a metroid game Mm -hmm. because they'd done the donkey kong thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and metroid had already been hibernating for a while at this point Mm -hmm. post uh metroid other m the team ninja one and people were and still are all these years later hoping for well we know that it's happening and in fact they've they've binned off metroid prime four point or three point five or whatever it's going (laughs) to end up being known as (laughs) and they're now making a better version a better stab at metroid prime four but here we were uh no more Spiros from the forum says I first played Tropical Freeze on June the 15th, 2013, almost eight months before its release in the US. Nintendo's strategy during E3 of that year was to have select Best Buy's host events where the public could play one of four upcoming Wii U games. And I was fortunate enough to live about an hour's drive from one. While most were in line to play either Super Mario 3D World or Mario Kart 8, I knew what I had come for, and when it came time to finally play through the level that we now know as Mangrove Cove, the person I was playing with was quick to run to the right and proceed through the level. I headed to the left, back into the crash plane DK jumps out of in the introduction. While I initially did did this because I knew of the series' history of hiding things immediately behind the player, sure enough, we were rewarded with an extra life. I was more intrigued by a stack of televisions found in the plane's remnants. As soon as my partner got the balloon and ran out, I excitedly asked if we could double back and I could check something. And as DK pounded the ground, the stack of TVs came to life, all proudly showing the title screen for Donkey Kong Country Returns. Retro Studios had mastered the art of the running gag. The rest of the experience was great as well, aside from our unfortunate game over. We were both a bit nervous playing in front of a crowd. But seeing that attention to detail not only maintained but built upon from its predecessor made me realise just how much care went into Tropical Freeze from the moment it begins all the way to the end. Simply masterful. Hmm. But it begs the question, why are there a load of TVs in a plane? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why the peng- angry penguins? The the the, the list yeah. could go on. <laughs> so the Wii U version was released in February 2014. First in Japan, and then a week later, the rest of the world. There has since been a Nintendo Switch version. Hmm. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the differences, but May the third, 2018. So it's over four years, and uh, the following day, the rest of the world, including. According to Moby Games, the new Funky Mode, starring the surfing simian Funky Kong, which unlocks a range of gameplay updates and an alternative way to play the game by using his unique abilities. Funky's health is superior to the player characters that were available only in the Wii U version. Hmm. So the key differences between the two versions, I have owned them both. I now own the Switch version, but not the Wii U version. The load times on Switch are massively improved. Around 10 seconds compared to around 40 seconds, uh, on average, around two to four times faster on Switch. The docked display uh, is uh, 1080p, 648p handheld, which is uh, which is only a little less than the the on-screen game was on the Wii U, 720p. The install size, I'm not sure how this even works, but weirdly, the Wii U install is 11.4 gigabytes and on switch it's only 6.6 gigabytes despite having funky mode (laughs) Hmm. one thing that should be said is that both versions run at a rock solid 60 frames a second and that is according to our friend john lineman at digital foundry there is never a drop frame in either version Uh, that initial load on the wii u when you hear the donkey kong you're like yeah i'm ready for this and then it just loads into clouds for what (laughs) feels like forever oh my geez like the amount of times i've seen that screen and the repeating music and you can even see where the the clouds repeat on themselves because it's like a looped animation Mm. very nice clouds oh that and lego city undercover like the worst (laughs) wii u load times man i tell you Everything about the the Wii U OS was uh, slow, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it was it one of the things. Remember updating that thing when it when it when you first got it home. Mm. Still love mine, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are. I cannot think. I, I imagine if Mikhail was here, he would probably find some reason why it was better to play the Wii U version. But <laughs> I cannot. I, there is nothing, is there? There's the Wii U version in smaller install, higher resolution graphics, faster load times. Uh, the Switch version you can take anywhere, whereas the Wii U version you could play on the gamepad within range of your Wii U. There is nothing, is there? There's, you're losing nothing. Well, in 2014, the Switch wasn't out, so I had no, you know, it, was, it had yeah, four yeah, years yeah. head start. So. <laughs> I'm talking to our listeners <laughs> right now. I, I also bought it on the Wii U. Um, Reviews-wise, it actually did better the second time around, which is interesting, considering it was over four years old at that point. I think, again, it's obviously this is just an average of review scores, so everyone reviewed it individually and gave it what they thought it deserved. But 83 in, in 2014 and 86 in... Uh, so either people had appreciated the game to the tune of three percent more or those extra features made it worth three percent more or yeah who knows curiously on nintendo life the user scores from nintendo fans is actually slightly higher for the wii u version with 8.9 they like it even more the critics whereas the switch version has a still very healthy and happy 8.7 out of 10 that was mikhail bumping the scores up (laughs) (laughs) we know it he's such a purist uh (laughs) Interestingly, in 2014, it was nominated for one Golden Joystick Award on the Wii U for... uh, No, sorry, it was two. 
nominated for Best Visual Design and Best Audio. And in 2018, it was nominated for Best Nintendo Game. Yeah. I think it's probably worth saying that 2018 was considered a slightly lean year for the Switch yeah. first party. Yeah, I, mean, after- yeah, I think... Uh, t- yeah, 2017 was Mario and oh, Zelda man. leading off. So, I mean, I mean, how it's tough to it's tough to rebound from that. Yeah. Like with all first party stuff, especially with their history too. They just seem to have more dry years than others, and then their banger years are just yeah. you know out of the park. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to be disparaging about it in that way. It's just that you wouldn't necessarily expect a re-release of a four-year-old game to be nominated right. for the best Nintendo game. But yeah, as well as that quiet year, I think it also speaks to the fact that. Uh, People still really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sold surprisingly large amount of copies on the Wii U, I would say, given the paltry amount of consoles that yeah. sold. And almost two million copies on the Wii U. Uh, one of at least one of which was mine, one of which was yours. I, I'm guessing one was Brian's as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it has since though outsold the Wii U version on the Switch, as you would expect, despite being owned by a much lower percentage of machine owners. But as of March last year, over a year ago, it had sold two and a quarter million. But you can bet your bottom dollar that's gone up a bit since mm. then. I believe it's uh, it's found itself discounted a couple of times, up to 33% off on eShop sales. And uh, and you can get the cart, I think, for, although it doesn't plummet like disc games tend to, I think you have been able to buy it for slightly less than the the full whack. I think one of the the things about the the response to this game was the fact that it was put out as pretty much a full price game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. it was a disc based, uh, a cart based release of a four year old disc previous gen disc mm-hmm. game, albeit slightly enhanced. And my personal feeling on that is that it, uh, it mixed feelings in that I think if this game had never come out before and just came out as a 2018 switch game as a cartridge price title you wouldn't have thought anything of it the only thing that devalued it in my mind was the fact that it was a four-year-old wii u game mm. do you see what i mean does mm-hmm. that make any sense yeah, yeah, yeah and i and this is this is gonna come up later too but like the just the portability of the switch we always talk like a big cliche is you know this will make a good switch game or but like just knowing that i could have donkey kong country tropical freeze like like on the go Mm. like especially you know like like for me i talk about a lot as the as the parent of a new child at that time it was just like you know like it was a no-brainer like yeah Mm. i'd I'd love to not have to be tied down to a tv to play this game you know so yeah it was a yeah it it made sense to me and i I didn't have any problem paying the price was that a uh was that was it a trade-in situation for you what's your history with the game uh well i uh have it on the wii u i was a day one purchase on the wii u i love donkey kong country returns um and you know i got tropical freeze and i played through maybe the first three worlds and it just wasn't doing anything for me um i i can't remember why i can't remember what was going on at the time maybe i just played something similar or or too many platforms at once but um I eventually made my way through the game, or, or so I had thought, you know, made my way through the worlds, but very slowly, wasn't that enthusiastic about it. So when the Switch release was announced, I, like, part of me was kind of disappointed, because I was, like, looking forward to some other Wii U mm. games being ported first to the Switch. I was hoping for, you know, uh, New Super Mario Brothers, which we still haven't seen, and, and, and a couple other ones. Uh, but then I started seeing the discourse around it, and, like, people talking about Tropical Freeze as being, like, you know, one of the greatest platformers of all time. Right. These are, like, opinions that people are sharing, and I said... Did I miss the boat 
on maybe something that I like normal Brian would love. Like, was I in a weird spot? So rather than drag out the Wii U, I uh, I bought into some of the Twitter hype and bought it day one, and I just absolutely devoured it over the course of the next couple weeks after it came out. So, um, so yeah, I I paid full price for it twice. Um, not too proud to say that, but I actually ended up buying two more copies the following holiday season because um, they were doing a deal at one of my local shops to give to two of my friends who just got switches for Christmas um, to give to them. So uh, nice. so technically I bought four copies of this game. <laughs> Not bad going. And uh, how far did you get in terms of doing the lot uh it's it, again as i always say it's not a test it's just uh for context for curiosity um i did not um i think i talked about this on the donkey kong returns uh country returns podcast too like i did not buy into the getting all the puzzle pieces i believe i got through after completing the game i believe i went through worlds one and two getting kong mm. and the puzzle pieces and yeah. everything else and then and then fell off just, you know, yeah. due to other shinier things at yeah, the time. Absolutely. And and those pieces get harder. Uh, mm. Yeah. For sure. Darren, so you had this on Wii U as well, early adopter? Yeah, it was almost certainly a day one thing for me. And I just remember being absolutely wowed by the facial animations on the on the Kongs when they were like dropping off the minecart and it was all very kind of Saturday morning cartoon thing, like their eyes popping out of their head and dropping down and it's all kind of very yeah, like the Wii U is definitely shining at this point in terms of visual presentation. And I remember Tropical Freeze being like an absolute stunner in terms of, uh, yeah, just like aesthetic. And just even like as a fan of Donkey Kong Country from, you know, well, I guess from number two to now, like it still managed to just completely wow me with its, you know, even though it's a 2.5D, I don't really like that term game. Um, yeah, like the presentation just absolutely got me. And then the gameplay just carried me forward. Like it would, and you know, momentum-wise, I was propelled forward and yeah, barreled through it in no time at all. Really, absolutely <laughs> smashed it. And then I left it until just after the podcast we did for the previous game to pick up all the last um, few uh, Kong pieces, secret levels, relics, and World Seven. Just because I was really in the mood to, just for a bit of punishment. <laughs> I don't know what it was, like. Um, I think I just wanted more from, if you think back on the 3D, the Wii and 3DS game, we did a podcast on that, obviously, for, if you say 399, issue 399, and I said, I want more, and that's exactly what I did. I went straight back to my Wii U, powered it back on, and yeah. there, I was straight back in, and um, yeah, played through. So you've only played the Wii U version? Yeah, I didn't, I, I oh. can't, my wallet has... It's a hard, it's a hard thing to justify. Yeah, because it was yeah. just like... Absolutely, yeah. Because it's the, not a major, major upgrade. It's got those four advantages that we just talked about but mm. maybe yeah if if you're not f just you know f rolling around in cash then that's it they're not necessarily uh, enough to warrant the the upgrade you know like every time i look at these um these flashy nintendo upgrades you know i would have bought them in the past but now i just hear school uniform you can't well, buy exactly. that soon and, you know so things <laughs> things have shifted for me ever so slightly yeah. so yeah but you know i would, uh, I, I was happy for people like we all kind of saw it coming with the Wii U that the sales weren't, you know, the, the two million is impressive for the Wii U, but we all knew that it could do more if it, if it had a larger install base. So we yeah. just all knew these Wii U ports were coming because if I was Nintendo, perfect business sense to make your best ever games be, be available for the next machine because, you know, they, they were missing the um, the potential money there. Like, yeah, we but, believe we believe at this point of recording, April 2020, there's probably still more of those they've got in the locker. Well, we know that Mario's coming. We know yeah. that uh, 
we're going to see some uh, some three D world on the Switch, but it's it's uh, it's quite possible there may still be a few that they've got that were Wii U titles that mm. they can they can bring yeah, forward. I, I did upgrade Mario Kart Eight DX, you know, from the Wii U because I had the, the yes. Blue Shell edition, so that paid for that Wii uh, Switch version straight out. Like you know, yeah. I, was, I was a bit a bit sad to get rid of the Blue Shell, but if a straight swap was fine with me. Yeah. Uh, so, you yeah. know, I'm not completely against the idea. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. And I bet the Switch version of Mario Kart 8 DX has absolutely smashed it in terms of sales. So you can see why they do it. And, uh, sure. yeah, I'm happy for new players to get on board the series because, yeah, Tropical Freeze is definitely worth it. I think I I didn't day one either version, but I, I own both. I think I, I have a recollection. I bought the Wii U version a few weeks or couple of months after it originally came out for a second hand sort of price of about 35 quid and uh, played it up to about world three um and then put it aside i was just playing it in dribs and drabs really like what i played but again hadn't finished the original at that point other than the 3ds version i don't think so put it on the shelf for a future podcast then it was still on the shelf when the switch version came out and of course the the good thing about Nintendo games holding their value is that uh, it means that you at least can get slight decent money towards mm. your upgrades. So I think I probably got almost as much as I paid for the the disc version on the Wii U back in a in a private sale. So um, I put that towards the Switch version, mm. thinking, yeah, just those those little upgrades are probably worth it. I did actually start playing the funky mode when I first got it, but I quickly felt that I wasn't getting the the real game out mm. of it yeah. uh i think yeah. i think it's great that it's there but mm. i i'm still capable i'm still lucky enough fortunate enough to be capable of playing this game in the traditional sense without the without the training wheels on um mm. so I, I, while i totally appreciate and embrace the inclusion of funky mode personally i wanted to go back and do it the, the real way so that's mm. what i've been doing the last few weeks completed the game the other day in terms of the basic clear and i'm now halfway through collecting all the puzzle pieces and mm. kongs but the k levels is it the k levels yeah k levels yeah those are mean and nasty and i haven't managed to do a single <laughs> one yet i've only tried three of them um but they are they've got no checkpoints is the thing that's so the one. yep that's that's yep. that's what upsets me um I could, yeah, it's it's now on the shelf of many games that I'd love to go back to and polish off properly someday, but may never do. We shall see. Anyway, uh, the scenario. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I never really know what to say about these because I I think it's important that we just say that it's got one and what it basically is. But I mean, we are are all adults here. Like this stuff is probably more for the kids. And and I'm sure some adults would argue that the whole thing is for kids, uh, but they probably haven't tried to complete it. So Mm. uh, while celebrating Donkey Kong's birthday, the Kong family witnesses how an invasion fleet of Arctic creatures, the Snowmads, arrives. The island is frozen over and their flagship takes position on top of the island. This can't go unpunished. So the Kong family is off to take back the island. Thanks, Moby Games. Um, I mean, it's still not K. Rule. It's penguins. They're called tucks mainly. I think it's a tuxedo <laughs> yeah. joke. So there's walruses and polar bears and stuff like that. Mm. But it 
doesn't until the latter stages where obviously as with all i mean we managed to have slippy slidey ice worlds in donkey kong country games before without the snowmads turning up <laughs> so it doesn't really justify anything having the snowmads they're just i mean it's fine you know whatever but it doesn't change it's not like the recent ukulele for example mm. which i would say and the impossible layer which is very much a spiritual successor to this mm -hmm. game i would say where the levels actually um you can they sort of they have varying themes based on what's going on in the overworld and stuff that's right in this yeah. game yeah. like there's six worlds right uh seven including mm -hmm. a secret, secret seclusion one. it's called right but the first four are just donkey kong country islands aren't they <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know it's um i'd really like to see donkey kong the series move away from the isles i guess like uh, and, uh, you Into know the city new donk city oh well you know there's an there's some ideas that you know i i just think uh, are they scared of moving away from the island theme because i'm a, i am like looking at the cutscene again where they unfreeze it you know spoilers from the penguins i was like oh yeah there <laughs> we were just here like we were just in the same place that we've always been like right oh god can, can we just move on can, can we take the donkey kong and you know and the family can we just take them somewhere else for a, for a, for a game <laughs> i'd love to see them on the moon or something you know something different yeah well, we, uh, I was talking about this with my friend the other day about like what <laughs> the do. next one of these games would be. And I would say Donkey Kong cross country where like maybe they're on a road trip, you know, they, they get into yeah, hijinks and different like landmarks, you know, like, oh, the Donkey, the Donkey Kong family at Stonehenge, you know what I Donkey mean? Donkey Kong like, Odyssey, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, that, that's like both the, that that's one of the great pleasures of talking about these games on these podcasts. Like all of them is that it's so the premise is just so silly and mm. I don't want to say dumb, but dumb, like, you know, <laughs> in a way that like, it just like, they just have to do like a couple things to justify the video game. And once they do, it's just, okay, go play. It's a, it's a, it's a pure platformer through and through. Like it reminds me of the, in, in a sense of the first Mario, super Mario brothers. If you didn't read the back of the box, you don't know why you're scrolling left to right and jumping up and down, but damn, it's fun to do. Mm. So let's do it. So that that's, I love, love that about this game. Uh, the Baboon Baron from the forum says, Inventive and whimsical in the way only Nintendo seems to be able to perfect. Tropical Freeze joyfully looks to the past as much as it looks to the future, creating a mix of both platformer cliches and new and interesting interpretations. It played well, looked amazing, and pri provided a glimmer of hope to the otherwise doomed Wii U. It was also really hard in places. Capturing some of the platforming madness and the collectathon vibes from the previous titles, 100%ing Tropical Freeze is no small undertaking. I'm always pleasantly surprised when these more old school style games prove to be difficult and DK Tropical Freeze does so masterfully. It might not have defined a generation like some of the country games, but in my view, Tropical Freeze is above returns in the DK Adventure catalogue. Hmm. Yeah, the visuals... We've already heard some praise for them. I remember on the Wii U being generally really impressed with them. And I think obviously the, the 60 frames a second thing gives it a certain gloss and sheen. Uh, I still think, I know that um, our Josh kind of bounced off this game saying that he found the art style to be uninspired. And I get what he means. It's just kind of vanilla, generic, mm. cartoony. It's like a modern Disney CG animation kind of style. And 
I think that certain elements of it, like the sand and the snow and the ice, aren't they? Don't have the same sort of magical qualities that some of of the games in these kind of the genres that I think do this stuff the most amazingly well. Other Nintendo games, in some cases, do.、Hmm. Overall, I think it's really nice looking, and some of the the tropical stuff. There's bags of imagination and cool things in there, but I I don't. It doesn't completely blow me away personally. I would say it's nice or lovely to look at, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's stunning or beautiful personally.、Yeah. I think the moments where it shines for me is where the camera's moving around in an unnatural way for a two D platformer, right? So when the camera's spiraling around a tree, <clears throat> or it's going behind the minecart、mm-hmm. to see you going down a hill, like when it really pulls away, you know, it's more of a cinematic camera in this game, and that's kind of where、right. the game's visuals really shine. When it comes to the two D platforming, I, I don't think it. I mean, sure, games can look brilliant in a two D sense, but I do feel like I mean, a it's kind of a it's a sequel to the the Wii version, which we discussed that on the on that podcast, and that that kind of had that Wii audience to to cater for to a certain level, so it couldn't go mega over the top with the art design because it had to fit in with the Wii bracket. Remember, I remember saying that about New Super Mario Brothers, and that it, the Wii had a very specific style, and I, I'm sure they could they could have gone crazy with the art style, but I feel like Donkey Kong Country Returns was. Kind of in this bracket of art. It's on the Wii, so we can't really go too bonkers because we we've got this massive audience to cater for, and they、mm-hmm. want to sell as many copies as possible. And I feel like Tropical Freeze is the sequel to that. It's a better looking version of the Wii game, right? Which is you know, which is great. But also like um, when Ukulele and the Possible Layer was being previewed, I remember our Ryan was saying that he was worried that the game was going to look.、Uh, how do I like? Basically, the world wasn't going to distinguish itself from the collectibles because it all kind of looked the same. And I do feel、oh, like yeah, these、yeah. games need to be—they need to be kind of balanced in their visuals to kind of keep everything legible to the player as they're running through it. Because Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is—it's really hard in places. Like I'd say, most of the game is harder than not. So if you're going to start adding all these flourishes of visuals to the game, would that then get in the way of the actual flow of the levels and the platforming?、Right. Probably. But then that doesn't really excuse the fact that the game couldn't look amazing. Do you know what I mean? They, they probably could、right. do it, but there's probably be a balance there that we're, I'm not 100% grasping at, for, you know, mentally. But I, I, I can see reasons why it doesn't look like the best game ever for the for the Wii U or Switch because I feel like 2D platform games, like Rayman Legends, done it really well. But I don't know, man. Like if you're gonna make a really really hard game, you've got to try and make it. Readable from the controller to the TV,、mm, yeah. right, and keeping the visuals paired、yeah. back maybe is、mm. my excuse for it, but that's how I see it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and、uh, I think that's all. That's all fair, and we can we could also use the a phrase which I don't like because it was as powerful as it was, but the Wii U being quote underpowered, and they wanted this、mm-hmm. to run at sixty frames,、mm. so they had to. But having said that, that makes it sound like we're sort of saying that this is a simple. Basic-looking game, but it really isn't. It's it's pretty ornate. No, I think that like where it shines visually isn't necessarily in like how the characters look or or how, how the whole like picture looks. As you're looking at the screen. It's it's the detail in the world. I think is like、yes. really strong, and that's Nintendo just shines at that. Like Nintendo、mm-hmm. first-party products. I know Retro did the game, but like it, it just. Like, like from little things, like when you're sliding down vines, like the expressions on the Kong's faces、mm. and like the little leaves that are like you know, flying off. Like, if you're getting on a platform that's going to fall out from underneath you, it, it has like a really significant and fun cartoony wobble to it. And then like,、mm. or if you're like breaking open um like a stone like to get through the next path, like like when when Donkey Kong punches and it like cracks into those. 
piece like there's like those those animation flourishes like really do a lot yeah. to bring what is I don't it's certainly not a lifeless world but but what is relatively a typical kind of cartoony world like it's brought to life in the way that I think things move like there's a couple levels um the underwater level specifically where I, I'm not, I'm forgetting the name specifically of the level, but like where like all of the plant life in the water, just moving to and fro in just a certain mm. way. Mm. And like the way that the, the Kongs are swimming, like it just, it all comes together with where like yeah. one particular asset, when you just look at it might not be the most beautiful, you know, walking Dodo you've ever seen. Gotcha. But like when yeah. that, when that little is wobbling across the stage and you're trying to hop on his head to hop on the next one like it all just looks nice yeah so and the, yeah the the animation and and yeah as you say there's a lot of really nice touches in the background and stuff little little things to bring the world to life and, and little background gags and stuff like that as well it's um yeah it's just that very i don't know there's it's, it's just something about the the lighting maybe or or, or something mm. like that it feels a little flat yeah, but, you know, for, for a game called Tropical Freeze, I can't really pick a snow level that really stands out, you know? Like, yeah, all the sure. levels in this game that stand out to me are the kind of the, the really impressive-looking, like, and playing ones. Like, the, 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 the giant buzzsaw that carves out a level in front of you. Yeah. Like, none yeah, of it really... Yeah. The ones that stick out to me aren't snow-based. And for a game called Tropical Freeze, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a strange yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, they had more fun, I think, with the the African savanna and all, all the stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, you know, we're talking about the art, the the art design as, uh, overall, the amount of imagination and fun that there is in in so much of this that comes under, as well as level design. That's where level design and art design are, are symbiotic with one another, right? So, mm. um, the the levels like in Africa, where the the the, the African style place, I should say, because it's one of the islands, but mm. um, it's clearly inspired by the Lion King, possibly even the mm-hmm. game The Lion King, um, mm. to an extent as well. But uh, the yeah the wind and the, the 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 tornado level where you all get blown up in the air and the islands are actually floating through the sky like in the Wizard of Oz or something, mm-hmm. um, and yeah the the ones where kind of the whole place is is going through a bushfire kind of thing. That's right. There's um mm-hmm. there's loads of loads of really imaginative touches which also play into gameplay design. But as I say, it's more just about and and yeah this is not being a oh, these graphics are from 2014. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. There's just something. Just there's just that little extra spark yeah. which would send this over into being just thoroughly gorgeous. Mm, but right. it but it is really but it is really cool. I, don't, I wouldn't want to put anyone off with the visuals. And I think in terms of readability, I've had problems with both the games in this series sometimes because of the 2.5D stuff. I don't think it's always 100% clear what's coming like particularly when things are falling over from the background into mm, the foreground yeah. i mm. think often it takes a few runs at those bits of levels to uh to to get to know them but what i have also found is that this is a game that you end up with between 90 and 100 balloon lives right <laughs> all the time <laughs> yeah and that that's yeah. what you do and the game expects you as a normal player a regular human being to dip into that bucket of lives quite a bit mm. and you learn from your mistakes and then some of the real most satisfying st- stuff i've had about this game i think i know we're already getting into design here but that's fine um i think there's an expectation with games now that either you get a super meat boy or trials style instant restart which you don't get in this or 
you just go through the levels and you just beat you beat games and you don't die and or you know right. you, you yeah. don't you don't get put back too often this game is kind of old school in that respect like they live up to their name here the studio it's more like an old mario game in that you have a bunch of lives and you'll lose a, a load of them while trying to get through the level in the best possible way yeah i I completely agree with that, and I think it does a really good job at striking that balance between those two styles you just said, and it can be difficult, especially in this modern era of games where things like Meat Boy, Trials, and if you, I, I hate to bring up this franchise when talking Donkey Kong Country Travel Freeze, but even the Dark Souls of the world, Yay. like, when, like, there, there's something now to some credibility of your game being rock hard, you know, and, and, and I think this game straddles that line of like, yeah, this level is very difficult. That's why we gave you 400 lives before you got here. <laughs> like, it's going to take you 50, but you're going to have 350 left when you get, you know what I mean? Like, it, it does that balance so well to where even if I was getting frustrated with section, and believe me, there were probably, and, and even playing through some of it to come back for this show to prepare, like, there's some parts that were like, you know, nail, gr- you know, <laughs> grip my fingers. Oh, like, you yeah. got to be kidding me. But. I also never felt like the game wasn't just going to kick me back out to the start. I wasn't going to lose my checkpoint. Like the, they have modes later on that if you want to do that, you can. But the general experience of it, it's it's very challenging, but also gives you a lot of resources to where you don't feel like maybe you're being punished over overly much for it. I think if I if I explain, you that can right. barely take a, take a step without collecting bananas, and every hundred yeah. bananas you get yeah. a life. And there's also yeah. balloons floating about and coins with which you can buy more lives. So yeah, and if you bounce on enough enemies in a row, you get balloons after like five or six right so you can yeah. oh okay if you've got a good, a good enough combo going on you will get bonuses right. on bonuses on bonuses barely did that i get the coins but i barely got the balloon and, going. yeah and the coins you can also buy things and we're getting further around here but you can mm. you can also buy things like an extra heart for your character so yeah. like so like if a particularly difficult section you can go in prepared to yeah. give yourself another go you know another another chance so mm. um it's both forgiving and demanding in a really satisfying way Mr. Ixalite from the forum says, despite their meticulous design, I've never been able to fully embrace most of Mario's 2D adventures. Because of the abstract or at least somewhat minimalist visuals, the levels feel like platformer templates that have yet to have their unique theming added. And what themes there are are often repeated. If you've seen one Mario desert, you've basically seen them all. I bring this up because in addition to its truly stellar design, Tropical Freeze may be the uncrowned king of 2D platformers in terms of theming. Every platform, every hazard is given fresh and exciting context without ever being bogged down by realism. The visual creativity is boundless. A jungle is not just a jungle, but an airplane graveyard or fruit harvesting plant. Even within a given level, the game keeps surprising you. You might start out running past the occasional small twister on the savannah and end up riding a rhino through a roaring tornado. Hmm. There's a Looney Tunes style cartoonish escalation at play. And at its best, Tropical Freeze feels composed rather than designed. The creativity thankfully also extends to the enemies. It feels weird saying so, but fighting Viking penguins shooting fish at you rather than weird limbless tiki drums really does make a difference, at least to me. And you can team up with Cranky Kong. I was unprepared for how invested I'd be in this, but as the game went on, I would resolutely pick the old geezer from the DK barrels and sigh with disappointment when I lost him. Not because of the loss of hit points, but because I'd recontextualized the game as a cross-generational bonding exercise and wanted Cranky to be there for the triumphs of his grandson. Just goes to show what a bit of characterization can do. 
My only major complaint is that the overworld music doesn't adapt to the theming, which I thought was an absolutely brilliant touch in its predecessor. Otherwise, this is platforming heaven. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, several, actually, but the point about the, the drums in the previous game being less than inspired and just having anthropomorphic penguins and other, you know, Arctic-ish animals with Viking gear on just <laughs> adds a little bit of personality uh, that it's hard to get out of a drum. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it, it, it kind of takes you back to the like to feeling like the Kremlings a little bit, like where you know they're all kind of from the same series of species, but like the, each one, like you might come across one that's wearing a pirate hat, or you're going to come across this or come across that in mm. a different style. And it felt more like that than just kind of your floating, you know, flaming drums. Yeah. Um, I mean, although I I think at some point, you know, whatever they're throwing at you it could be you know it could be you know donkey kong comes to your hamster race the next one and you're fighting hamsters all the time if they're mm -hmm. if, if i can satisfy satisfyingly bounce off their heads one to another i probably will enjoy it no matter what it looks like you know drum versus penguin i mean the size of the drum <laughs> is also the size of a penguin and some of the enemies in tropical freeze they have drum bits on their heads and you can bounce off them for a long time and you just <laughs> yes. think well at <laughs> yeah, some can. point were these just massive drums and you know were these just drums and they changed them to penguins to kind of fit the theming of the tropical nature uh, tropical freeze nature of the game like there's not enough uh, i love penguins right actually it's my favorite animal ever i've had a little toy since i was a baby and oh, so, like penguins are number one for that. me yeah yeah they're uh, i love even them. ahead of apes yeah oh yeah like penguins <laughs> are absolutely number one so to see them in, in like represented in games love it like you know the mario 64 slide and all that love it it's um it's amazing but in this game they just look like penguin shaped drums <laughs> 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 well drum shaped penguins drum, yeah. Mr Ixlight mentioned the audio there so fairly substantial change for this one they returned to the music of David Wise mm. which is interesting because obviously in the previous game uh, we had, I forget the name forgive me, uh, the Japanese composer but using as well as some original tunes also using some of the famous donkey kong country themes mm. but here we've got some of the famous donkey kong country themes being reworked by their original composer uh minus evangeline fisher um but also a bunch of new music one of the the first points at which i fell in love with this game was windmill hills the mm -hmm. uh the the level is that the second world the first level of the second world i think it is yeah and it's so cheesy, but it's just such a joyous piece of music that uh, that I, I fell in love with. That. I played it on a Sound of Play years ago, very when the when the game was new on the Wii U, and uh, and I I still just absolutely have to crank that one up. But there's uh, there's tons of uh, great, you know, the the big band jazz style, the Dixieland mm. stuff in here, but also uh, he really flexes his muscles with the uh, the sort of tribal african savannah style music in those levels um there's some stuff which i would say is a bit less memorable but obviously you've also got the epic nostalgia of the return to aquatic ambience and uh and the and the the uh, the bramble stick you know the famous bramble sticker whatever it's called oh one. yeah you know yeah, the one yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah the music in this game like it really really benefits from being listened to within in the game like it is a, it's, the music is out uh, it's amazing like from just listening to it on youtube or whatever we were dancing to it in the kitchen today it's great but when you put it in front of the actual game and you're playing it 
the way it kind of tallies up with the gameplay, it really just, more so than most other games in my experience, it really just ties it all together. There's, um, you know, there's a, there's a quite a big podcast out there and they had a big argument about whether this music was any good or not over like mm. music of the year mm. or whatever. And it was, you know, it's quite an infamous thing on that website, blah, blah, blah. But I could see what they were talking about when they were playing pieces down the phone to each other. Like, oh, listen to this track. And they were like, yeah, it just sounds like music. You know, like, don't comic, brilliant. <laughs> but when you put it in front of the game and you see everything's swinging and f- to and throwing, like the trees are dancing and like yeah, David yeah. Wise, he's absolutely complete. You can tell that he was, he was loving coming back to this series and he's put everything he's got into it. And it's just, God, it looks and sounds incredible when it's all swaying together. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, I, I want to put this in there. Yeah, I met him a couple of years ago, and he's an absolutely incredible guy. And he's just got this aura around him. Like I've never noticed it with people before, like meeting people like that. But he's just got this kind of, yeah, I wouldn't say ego, but he's just got this, like, you can just, he just radiates, radiates this kind of, like, weird aura around him. You just look at him, like, oh, my God, that's David Wise. And he's just kind mm. of just, just emanates this weird kind of atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's a force. And, yeah, his music in Tropical Freeze absolutely shows that that's awesome yeah i didn't i didn't know you met him a couple, uh, yeah a I, back, I did a really panel neat. for rare and platonic developers a couple of years ago oh right, nice and, um, for retro asylum retro revival the same kind of people were paired together yeah. and yeah they've they, i've done it twice uh two years in a row yeah oh, awesome. and david wise and chris Seaver and all these other like massive names are in the second panel and i was absolutely terrified but yeah meeting david wise was you know, and talking to Grant Kirkup on this on this podcast for um, that interview we did not so long ago, really, yeah. like yeah. all these things coming together, and you know, talking about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and you know, ah, yeah, like massive life goals being ticked off, and uh, yeah, this podcast mm-hmm. is uh, once again, I've said it before, is just making that happen for me. Hmm, lovely. I, I I can't add anything that's more meaningful to that than what Darren did, but I, what I will say is that David Wise his his creations on and the original uh, Donkey Kong Country soundtrack like are, are so influential to all of video game music, all of it that followed. That like just having him back in general is just su- such a joy. And and that that um uh, what was the windmill? Uh, I can't remember what was the name of the stage you just said. Windmill Hills. Uh, the Windmill Hills. Yeah, like that. Like when you see you see the context of a Donkey Kong Country um like soundtrack. Like you're expecting like specific themes and specific things to hit at different times. And there are just multiple moments in this game where the music just takes you fully out of the game to where you're just standing there and letting Donkey Kong do his idle animation because you're just listening to the tune going on in the background, watching the background animations, watching how everything's kind of interacting with each other. And and I think there's something special there when you bring a composer in like him that has a real familiarity with the series and the whole reason the series feels a certain way is because of the input of guys like him. So having him back, like it can't not have a positive impact in my, in, in my opinion. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty strong soundtrack. I listened to the full OST. There's a YouTube uh, clip out there of, of all four hours of it. And I, I, I went through it over the last couple of days over, you know, just in the background and it's got some real bangers. Mm. And we talked about the audio in the previous game, and I think much of it makes a return here, including some of the, the jingles and, and uh, stings. But the the sound of the collect, the, the nice little click of the collecting of the banana yeah. and the doomph of the... So a lot of it's the same. And, and, uh, and again, uh, the fella whose uh, voice work we appreciated in the previous show um, comes back and gives it his best donkey and cranky 
Kong. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. I think the the sound of this, the the little jingles, they're all the same, aren't they? The, as the previous game, I think they knew that they yep. had a, a winning recipe there with the with the coins making the same. Everything everything makes the same noise, right? I think. Yeah, just I mean, about and like that satisfying, like you said, the click of the banana, and, and like down to like like the nuances of like like Cranky Kong's pogo cane, for example, like just has that yeah. real crisp, satisfying boing to it, and just like I, I don't know, like. It, it, we can get into the nuances of sound design, but like th- this game, it's just, it paints that picture with everything. Like, you know how things are going to sound when you pick them up when the, the spinning jingle of the puzzle piece as it lights up, like it's just yeah. like serotonin button, just slamming <laughs> in your head. It's just, and actually really something cool. Um, there were a couple of levels I was playing today while looking for extras pieces and you know, whatever else. And there's a couple of the the levels that you unlock which don't have music, and that actually allowed me to take in. There's probably a lot more going on in the audio than mm-hmm. you realise. I remember going through the sound test on old Mega Drive carts and things like that, and often being amazed by just how many sounds there were in in a even in a a simple ish sixteen bit like mm-hmm. you know brawler or something, and generally you don't get the the sound test in the same way you normally get a i mean this has an unlock music player but you Mm -hmm. don't have a a mode where you can just flick through eight thousand sound effects but i bet you (laughs) there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds for every little thing that happens yeah yeah, there was a particular noise there's uh, one where the uh, level where the the vines there's or creepers vines there they're um, brittle they're brown and they crack as um yeah as yeah, yeah. you climb on them and as you jump off them they well hopefully as you jump off them or as they break <laughs> they make a very particular very video gamey noise like it's almost yep. like deliberately almost 8 bitty and uh and i really appreciated that so and it's weird because it's not realistic but it just somehow mm. it works and it ticks a box for me that's what i like mm. about the, the the recent Donkey Kong Country games and other kind of like Sonic as well. They've all kept the noises from the old days without changing mm. it too much. They did go through a little phase of kind of mixing up a little bit, but mm. like you just can't change the Mario coin noise or you can't change the Donkey Kong banana noise. And right. I just love the fact that they're kind of, that's persisted throughout decades of gameplay innovation and evolution. Like these old plinky plonky noises from the nineties are still there. And it's just, you know, yeah. when you roll into a bunch of bananas and you hear that kind of successive clicky noise that the, those mm. bananas do and it all plonks into your inventory. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it all kind of gives you the goosebumps. So I suppose the the most controversial aspect, divisive in some ways, but certainly an element that brought about a lot of consternation and criticism in the previous game on the Wii were the controls so we were locked into Wii Remote and Nunchuck if I recall correctly and Mm. there were waggle controls Mm. and there was the weird thing about crouching and blowing which wasn't actually a blowing into a mic type situation like other Nintendo games have had going all the way back to Zelda on the the Famicom (laughs) but uh, a crouching and blowing thing that they thought was neat um, and they left it in the game that's been stripped out Motion controls have been stripped out as far as I know. Although, can mm. you still play it with a, I think you can, can still probably still play the Wii version with Wii U version with a Wiimote and nunchuck. Oh, I, I don't want to, oh, I don't want to say either way. I remember playing it with a pro controller and the gamepad, but I think that's as far as I went. I didn't want to go back to yeah, Waggle, even know. if it was there. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, yeah, I certainly no, no, played no. it with the um, with the classic controller, whatever it was called, on the Wii U. And yeah, I've played this almost. Ex- I've played a little bit of the Switch version with um, in handheld mode, which uh, which is fine as you'd expect. The only thing I find is that uh, the smaller screen means that I'm more likely to come a cropper to. Uh, enemies that were or mm-hmm. elements that mm. were designed for a, to be <laughs> viewed on a larger display but that might be partly my eyes and age uh, but mainly I played this with the pro controller and yeah overall as much as I made peace with the waggle or the Wiimote nunchuck situation on the on the previous game there are certainly situations here where and I think maybe they've made the game a little bit more challenging in certain ways and places to allow for the fact that you're probably going to have slightly tighter and more immediate control and is it just me or is the feel of donkey kong just ever so slightly sharper crisper than it was in the previous game like it feels like the same character but Mm. maybe they've just tweaked it in minuscule ways just to make him slightly less prone to inertia or falling off things uh, it sounds like a bit of a negative comment but i think he's less loose like Donkey Kong is he's fast and loose, isn't he? Once you start rolling, he kind of he goes for it, you know. Like the locomotion in the series is quite, you know, well known throughout. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. in this one you've got a bit a tiny bit more kind of friction on the floor, so to speak. I think that like I was really concerned when I got the Switch version, because I play my Switch almost exclusively handheld, mm. that I wasn't gonna be able to to control him well enough with the the Joy-Con sticks, mm, right? You know, and and then those controls. I was really concerned that I wasn't gonna be, and I, I didn't have a problem at all. So I think I think that uh, lends to your theory, Darren. I, it does feel like you can stop on a dime a little bit more, mm. um, as opposed to some of the previous uh, uh, entries where I felt like you know he was kind of a train off the off the rails at times. You know, just kind of going, and hopefully you don't run into something. And one of the key factors that changes that marks this as a different game as a sequel from its immediate predecessor is gorillas can now swim again. You can go underwater, which Mm. you couldn't do in returns. And there are fairly lengthy levels with extensive underwater sections. Uh, You can, there's a bit with a a, a killer whale. Mm -hmm. You get to smash through stuff. There's a bit of a giant octopus (laughs) poking his head through the the cracks in the background. Yeah, you've got uh, Sonic-style bubbles without so much stress to grab hold of them uh, and without a delay. Once you just touch an air supply, you you get an air meter refill, which is... Mm. Which is fine. Uh, Control, I would say, is is pretty fine underwater. No no major issues. Occasional, maybe just the usual underwater stuff, but it it feels it's, it's pretty quick compared to a lot of games underwater especially if you've got dixie kong who gives yeah. you a boost oh yeah for sure the air meter isn't and it wasn't really an issue gameplay wise but it does fly in the face of the previous games in the series yeah. where they all could swim underwater just infinitely it was just a bit like well why why now like yeah i couldn't really yeah. work that one out it didn't really make much sense i didn't realize i missed the underwater stuff um from donkey kong yeah. country until this moment like like those moments and it's probably nostalgia tied to the music i can i can 100 percent say that that i have a lot of fondness for aquatic ambience but the like it, it there's there's something to be said for those the, that first trilogy like the, that those are some of the first underwater levels that i didn't really you know like hate. dread or hate <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly so yeah. so yeah I, I was really nice it was really nice to see him go back to it and it just it just allows like 
you know, it's fun to move around in these games, so you want to get as many environments as possible to move around in. So it made sense to kind of to, to open it back up to and going underwater. The transition from land to water in the levels, it's just so seamless, isn't it? It's just yeah. beautiful. And, um, mm. yeah, I remember just jump, jump into the water and you just see it just kind of just magically turn into a water level halfway through and you just go, oh, wow, that's just like, that's just the way it should be done. And it just felt absolutely mm. natural. He almost felt, uh, the characters almost felt like Echo the Dolphin at times, like mm. swimming and leaping yeah. about, uh, yeah. which is obviously a reference that won't mean anything to the younger listeners. But uh, there was a, there was a very nice, he was a nice dolphin to control back in the 16 bit days. <laughs> <laughs> when we were watching we were recently watching the the documentary on disney plus called dolphin reef and they named the first dolphin echo oh. and i looked excitedly at my wife and child and they both looked back at me like i had four heads oh. um, so yeah we are we might be past the time of of echo the dolphin your marks on Good. Your, the marks on your head look like the stars in the sky yes that's, that's <laughs> what i'd have said to him um and another game that i feel was a uh, Maybe a touchstone here or two games, really, because I think even this, although the, the development probably would have overlapped the Rayman Origins and Lemons, or Oranges and Lemons or Origins and, Le- <laughs> yeah. Origins and Legends. Those two, they came out in what, like 2011 and 13 or 2009 and 2012 or something like that off the top of my head. So there feels like some obviously the donkey kong country series goes further back but it feels like maybe there was a little influence in terms of um level design and uh and mm. sort of mood and and locomotion stuff yeah like it's that. hard not to talk about for me tropical freeze without reference in those two rayman games as well right they, it was yeah. all around the same time you know as a, as a 2d platform fan you just absolutely reveling in kind of visual splendor of rayman games and they've got their own inertia and locomotion as well it is yeah it was a it was a good time and you know most recently yeah. the impossible layer is almost definitely a spiritual Very sequel much. to tropical freeze yeah I- it's really interesting too because during that time you're kind of wondering like and and you're probably wondering this for forever and ever like what is this genre or type of game gonna do next how are they gonna iterate how are they gonna change what's gonna make it new again and those Rayman games along with this game, it was just kind of like a, it just like mm. an absolute banger of just like, what, what's like, where, where can we go from here? You know mm. what I mean? And, and it was nice to see that with a, like, you know, the 2d platformer was a genre. I don't want to say it had become stale, but like it was kind of moving in a different direction and the cartoony whimsical 2d platformer didn't really exist that much. And then here come these games and, and it's kind of back to, you know, making making the feel goods come around again when it comes to these mm. games yeah. Mm. so yeah the previous game we had diddy who's still there in a barrel and uh you can use him to extend your jump pretty much that's that's about it right mm. he doesn't have any other major use well when you fill up the meter you can press zl or zr to get like a special ability right yeah i can't remember which one is which but i remember favoring the one with the, the golden hearts for these k levels i think that's dixie right if you if you get enough coins or bananas you can fill up your special meter and then you can trigger a kind of a special event where it's like woohoo and they high five and yeah stop, one of one of them gives you um one up balloons the red balloons is yes. that right and yeah. the other one yeah, yeah. gives you double hearts and I can't remember what the last one does. I think it. Mm. I really can't. I think remember I underused those techniques. My main focus on the extra buddies was the fact that I couldn't see any possible reason why Diddy was worth having compared to the others. So some yeah. barrels 
So you've got barrels that spin with the initials on. Diddy is um, is an option, but then they've added Cranky and Dixie. Mm. Cranky gives you a Scrooge McDuck style um, <laughs> Ducktales bounce, which is mm. very handy and protects yeah. you entirely from certain floor types, as well as being a, meaning that you can get to much higher places. Dixie just feels like, I mean, never not that this game ever gets easy, but even with Funky as an option in in a separate has to be a separate game file funky we should say uh who has yeah all all kinds of extra abilities but dixie feels like kind of win button to me because her longer jump with a second with a yoshi flutter mm. only more so on it feels kind of just overpowered compared to the alternatives to me but um they kind of D- diddy and dixie kind of come into their own when it comes to the k levels and beyond because uh, okay. <laughs> dixie's lift is is yeah. essential for world seven and diddy i believe and you. his extra jetpack like reach so to speak because it's more ver- it's more horizontal it's um it's useful so diddy can go further horizontally than dixie can even yeah. with her lift but that yeah, because it's it's more manageable. Like you know, with with Diddy, once you're at yeah, a certain height, okay. he's going to go forwards. Whereas Dixie's like, you know, she's got that bob, like you say, like a Yoshi flutter, where it kind of goes up, and it's a little bit unmanageable mm. when okay. the levels yeah. get really, really precise. I can I, see. I, it. Yeah, I, I never was, really I, I, used I would Cranky though. To be honest, I never, I never found Cranky that useful for my experience recently, and um, which is which is a shame because the pogo stick is brilliant. But in the, in these really hard levels, I never found Cranky's pogo. It's come in handy yeah it's definitely a (laughs) in a certain situations in certain levels there's a there's a nice risk reward to using cranky but it is in in a game where there are a lot of levels where you you know there's just huge amounts of chasms that you can't fall into Hmm. having a a pogoing old monkey isn't necessarily (laughs) the the the, the optimal but i did like having him as as our correspondent said earlier like having cranky in the game as a playable character um meant a lot like, oh absolutely yeah you know as, as, especially after dk64 where you had loads of ones that didn't really kind of exist until 64 came along <laughs> it's like well where's cranky and all this you know what I rubbish mean? ugly and, ones <laughs> yeah the, the lanky one who <laughs> kind of looked like cranky but not really you know what i mean like uh, what i'm saying is cranky should have had a role in dk64 and um yeah it's, yeah it's a shame that it took this long to <laughs> get him sorted out <laughs> and one aspect of this game and in fact i think i've said this on other platform games we talked about and it's great that they include it again we talked about it in the donkey kong country returns show it's a mode that i've never used in a new super mario brothers game there's co-op play Mm. but i mean again these levels feel to me that they are extremely meticulously designed for one player yeah <laughs> i mean just adding yeah. the stress of a second player in these levels is just you can't take it too seriously can you you must turn it on thinking it's just going to be a laugh because if you take it yeah. seriously then you're just going to have hating each other by the end of each level i think um is it hard mode on this either is it either lock out co-op play or does it lock out the other Kongs. I, I wasn't quite clear on that. Yeah, I think I hard mode is just one heart DK, right? So co-op okay. mode would kind of nullify that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know right. once you unlock hard mode, it's like, yep, just DK on his own, one heart, deal mm. with it. And you're like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. So the regular game does have the shops uh, again with uh, Funky this time. Who is it if you're playing Funky mode? 
Hmm, I don't know. That's a question for you, Switch Boys. I need to go. <laughs> I need to boot it up and check that out. Uh, maybe it's cranky again. I'm not sure. Um, mm. Apologies, not candy. We don't want to see those awful jokes. Probably in not again. candy. It maybe it is candy. <laughs> maybe. Oh, that would be that the triumphant return after uh, <laughs> giving you musical instruments in DK64. Candy's oh, back. Those awful jokes about instruments being, you know, yeah, oh, that's, that's rare for you. It is, yeah. So yeah, uh, well, uh, by the time you hear this, listener, we'll, we'll have will have found out but um yeah i've forgotten it's so long since i played funky mode um it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me maybe that was part of the reason why whoever was in the shop <laughs> but uh they added some of the items that you could get in the 3ds version of the previous game so you got balloons that will rescue from a fall as well as being able to buy the lives and uh have extra hearts and uh so so on and so forth and squawks a parrot of course um, they've taken away the key. The the key mm. is no longer there, which was a way of unlocking the extra levels on a stage. But now there are sometimes multiple extra levels on a stage, mm -hmm. and you have to actually find your way into them. Yeah, they're like these teleporters that you can fall into, <clears throat> which unlock extra levels on the world map. They're mm. um they're a bit of a faff to be honest to, to to work out some of the levels though they're like yeah. really top tier stuff aren't they yeah 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 so That's... for many many players they've probably hidden away some premium content yeah yeah it really is a shame really because like games like Super Mario World they, they do that really well because it's a red dot if you've not unlocked all the exits right and the exits so when it, yeah. it turns blue when you've done everything you can on a level whereas this it's kind of a bit not hundred percent clear on whether. A, a level is going to offer a secret exit or mm. you know or be like on the world map they, they don't really join the dots as well as previous nintendo games so um yeah, yeah, yeah i had to use a guide yeah. to find out where like which levels had an exit and then i found right. the exit within the level yeah. but still mm. it's just like you you kind of wish if you were putting the effort in to find these secret portals that they'd make it a bit more obvious on the world map as to mm where they kind of may be like yeah I, I, it wasn't very user-friendly that I, I realized again by looking something up that the ones that have the stone square around them are the ones that you only those are the k levels which you can only get yeah. to once you've collected every puzzle piece and kong letter on every other level on that world mm -hmm. as with the previous game there's also a, a little extra button that you can fill in on every stage for doing the time attack uh which i've done none of but um yeah darren did you did you interact with that at all the time attack um, on the 3ds i tried it in returns okay. and i found it really unsatisfying like just ro yeah. rolling into things and dying and then just starting again was just not for me i'm not much of a i i like score chasing don't get me wrong but i'm not much of a time attack if it's not like a racing game but mm. i tried doing some of these when i fired up the switch um to to, to prepare for the show and man i was just stressed out like yeah, pure anxiety it's... the entire time and and that's not the way i want to play these nah, games i don't think neither. and i think it's cool for people who engage with it i'm sure i didn't look up any speed runs and stuff i bet you there's there's oh, crazy yeah. times on some of these levels it's got to be awesome but yeah. man, that that is just not the type of way I play Donkey Kong. Yeah, I watched right the completionist uh, do the returns episode, and he said like the, the time attack stuff is just you know hair pulling, rage inducing mm. stuff because you know the games are really hard and precise in their control and level design. But once you're forced to go through a level at a certain pace, it kind of it it changes the whole game's dynamics. Like you have to go for it, and if you get squashed by a totem that's falling over, like and you die. You just like well, that's how I roll. It, like 
it, it wants you to play in a very, very specific way to get to the end, right? And if you're not in tune with that, then you just, yeah, why bother? You, I think you need to be 100% in tune with what Retro Studios have laid out in front of you from a time attack point of view. If you haven't got it, you know, you haven't got it. Mm. There's a couple of fantastic videos on this game on YouTube that I want to recommend and talk about what they say in them. So there's one from Game Maker's Toolkit, Mark Brown, typically brilliant analysis of the level design of these mm. games and, and actually looking into why, in his opinion, this is a game that really moves things forward for Nintendo platformers as a whole, even compared to some of Mario Mario's outings and other Donkey Kong Country games, which is that... and this is something that uh, I appreciated more after watching his video, which is something I hope sometimes people get from our podcast as well. But he is a particularly, you know, top tier analyst of games design. Um, the level design in this game is a bit more ambitious and asks more of the player than other 2D platformers in that it rather than giving you one idea this is this is a very too long didn't read version but it is well worth seeking <laughs> out the video rather than giving you one idea and then iterating upon that one idea repeatedly in slightly more complex ways and getting to the end donkey kong country tropical freeze is not afraid to chuck several ideas at you in one level and mix them up and mess around with them in in intriguing in different ways it's obviously it's something it's difficult to get across in in an audio medium he gets to uh, show you in his video but it's simply that traditionally there'll be a mechanic introduced at the start of a level and then that mechanic will be you'll play it through multiple times in certain different ways but yeah here they'll give you three maybe two two three or even four new things new enemies new platform configurations new mechanics to play within each level simultaneously this means that this game is both probably more challenging and demanding than a lot of platformers but it also perhaps keeps it each individual level more interesting some of the levels are way longer right in this mm. game than they were yeah, in, for sure. in the previous game now in returns i can't i can't remember even though i just played it last year um were there levels that had more than two checkpoints in them um i don't know if there were because this game has no problem throwing that at you yeah I, I i have a feeling there are certainly levels with more checkpoints and and th again they're also not afraid to have levels that are of wildly differing lengths so like mm. some of the rocket levels in this are much shorter than the the ones in the previous game but then you'll have mm. a platform level which goes underwater over water through a factory yeah. outside a yeah. sawmill and yeah and so on and yeah it'll happily do four four checkpoints five checkpoints even maybe I, yeah. I don't count but you know yeah one of the levels in world seven it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> I, we said on returns that one of the best things about returns is that it knows when to finish a level yes and i think tropical freeze doesn't really nail it as well like yeah. some of the stuff it, it mm. but my, my recent experience is the hard stuff in this game and while i think the k levels aren't as hard as what they first seem they're really hard don't get me wrong yeah but they they they, they kind of they know when to stop mm. the, the world seven stuff just goes on yeah and on it is it's ridiculous Sweat it's all abstract juicy. it's all abstract kind of weird bonkers stuff as well that doesn't really make a lot of sense it? so yeah um i do feel like tropical freeze doesn't it hasn't got as good of an editor if you know what i mean in terms of level design when it comes yeah. to 
um yeah flow and progression i feel like it's it's, it's not bad it's not rubbish like but it's not as fine-tuned as its predecessor oh interesting okay yeah i, I yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I agree with that as a whole on the whole. I think that there's there's definitely things to be said about level length in this game and how it's not really sometimes I don't want to say unfocused, but like, you know, there's a lot of ideas, a lot of things going on. And, and, and it does take a little bit longer than your average Donkey Kong Country level to, to finish. Um, but when playing through it again on the switch after I kind of bounced off of it on the Wii U, like I found myself kind of like like asking myself, was I crazy? Was I seeing a different game? Or you know, maybe I was probably just in a different headspace or whatever. Because because yeah. I just think that the way this the way these worlds like switch things up and are willing to switch things up on you made me always engaged to kind of want to see what was coming up next. So, um, but I I do agree, especially ramping up to the final boss. I know you're talking about the World Seven stuff before, but mm. the levels leading up to the final boss, I feel like did get long in the tooth, and I think it you know, maybe suffered from the, well, this is the last world, so we got to, like, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink at the player, but um, I do think at some point, like, I, I do remember getting to the end of that, that final boss the first time being like, all right, let's get this thing over with, and then he killed me about 432 times, but then, yeah, um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, I do think in general they nail the variety in a satisfying way. Oh, yeah, like, my, my overall, you know, not to get too far ahead, but my overall feelings on this game are massively positive, but I do, like I said just a minute ago, Returns on the Wii and 3DS had a slightly, yeah, yeah, they they had a more of a, a basically when I was frustrated with the level in Returns, it kind of it was like oh that's the end then. Whereas yeah, in Tropical Freeze, yeah. it went on, it went totally on a agree. little bit yeah. too long. I do agree, and in that sense, that there were times in this game where I was thinking, oh come on, but what I wanted to say also was after watching the Game Makers Toolkit video and completing the game it's one of those games where i very much feel like even though i haven't done 100 percent, i've completed the the main story and gone back through it the you get that lovely feeling of going back through it where even if you die you feel like well i've completed the game it's cool you know and, mm. I, and now i'm now i'm doing the hardest stuff and um you know i would i would happily spend spent most of today a saturday uh under lockdown conditions of course but uh just going through quite meticulously the levels in worlds mm. two and three and just know it. Sometimes, you know, you've missed a missed a puzzle piece and you can't go back. And then I'll just happily throw myself off and do that checkpoint again. Like it just becomes part of the part of the gameplay. So instead of that, that first run through of, of the game where you're like, oh, I mustn't die. Oh my God, I've taken a hit. Ah, what's everything's collapsing and coming at me and everything's on fire. Mm. When you've, when you've played through each level, a few times as you end up doing by the end you feel like you've even if your platforming game skills haven't massively improved as mine are unlikely to do at this stage of life you feel like you know you're confident in your environment mm. and just the muscle memory starts to kick in so i i found that i enjoyed the level design the more uh the more i understood about it and the more the more exposure i had to to each level and that does tie into something you were saying about Brian, and, I mean, and this is why we always talk about context, because I think something we don't always have as a, a luxury, not that making video game podcasts is a massive ordeal, but we don't always have the, I, I am in the perfect mood for this game when I'm playing it thing, right? because we've decided that we're going to play it for this show and then we have a deadline. So even if you're hating on hard platformers at the moment, you're going to have to play one. <laughs> so of course that's right. going to factor into yeah. your opinion. But in this yeah. case something that i think i've become 
quite adept at doing mentally is putting myself in the mood for something like decide yeah. remembering all those hundreds of satisfying hours i had playing the the original donkey kong country or uh, other games of its ilk and you have to find that sort of headspace where you just accept that failure will happen and you're gonna hear that game over jingle too many times mm. and i'm not saying that i i completely go into a you know a, a a state of enlightenment about this of course i get annoyed and i swear and all that stuff but there's a <laughs> point where i think if you're if you're in the headspace with this with a particularly with a challenging platformer like this where you're just like i want to get to the end and i want to move on i just don't think you'll get as much out of it at all and that's probably true of a lot of different games as well but i think that if you embrace it's not necessarily even about doing the extra stuff and completing ticking everything off it's just about being in that headspace of like I can I can embrace and enjoy the challenge rather than it being just another of life's video game hurdles to cl clamber over. Right, right, yeah, and I think that that's the context conversation with these games, particularly. I think is so important because if you really wanted to, like, if you wanted to dedicate yourself to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, what do you say, like? one long session you know like a, like an entire day if you want to mm -hmm. like if you want to start to finish donkey kong country tropical freeze you could probably do it in a day you'd be banging your head against it you'd be missing things along the way but i mean i think it's probably six to ten hours funnily game, enough I, well, I had that conversation yeah. with mikhail earlier because yeah he was supposed to be away for this recording and uh, it was going to be rich and then rich dropped out and it was going to be a guest and then he had to drop out so i was like Mikhail was like, oh, I really wish I could have been on this. And I said, have you completed the game? He said, not yet. I was like, well, you got 6.5 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. he had other things to do. But I was thinking <laughs> maybe, maybe you could do it in six and a half hours. Yeah. It's yeah, it's one of those things that like it, it, the context, your, your headspace, everything that you said, it, it matters a lot to your enjoyment of the game. If you can let a particularly tricky platforming section when you die 20 times in a row roll off your back mm. then this game is the one that then then and you're in the right space for this game um not to talk about other games on the but i was playing the game recore last night which is on game pass oh yeah and i've been having a blast with the game the whole time it's got it's rough around the edges having mm. a blast but for some reason i got to a, a boss fight last night that it was a little glitchy like the the boss wasn't interacting the way it was supposed to anyway long story short i found myself getting like like controller breakingly mm. mad at this boss mm. fight and i realized very quickly that it was a brian problem it wasn't a recore problem like sure the it was glitching out a little bit but like like i was pretty tired i yeah. had way too much caffeine my son had been a particular <laughs> bother during the day you know what i mean so like yeah. so it it does depend on on your state of mind i went back to that boss fight this morning and had a wonderful time beat it without any problems you know mm. so like it, it might be one of those games that if you found yourself like ra you know ramming your head against something in this game like it might be worth going back and, and checking something out again because because mm. it is context sensitive just like any anything else right that yeah. what does that mean darren context sensitive <laughs> <laughs> it's sensitive to context Pepsi packs. <laughs> there you go um but yeah you know like my headspace with donkey Kong returns tropical freeze and it's hard stuff really came from me wanting to find my feet again in terms of like because i had a massive game and slump this last kind of 10 months for example and um i really just wanted to just kind of just find my feet again with gaming and just really mm. challenge myself and i think a 2d platformer the time investment to get involved with the hard mode is it, still quite significant when you think about it but 
as a, as just by its default nature of a, of the genre, it's quite snappy and to it, and you know you're not gonna like Dark Souls. You're not gonna go from a bonfire to a thing to lose half an hour's you know time. Like Donkey Kong Tro- Tropical Freeze and the K levels. If you're gonna die, you're gonna lose a couple minutes, you know, and then you're back to the start, and it probably feels worse than what it actually is because you're you're back at the start and you have to go through all the hard stuff again to lose maybe a couple minutes, maybe three minutes again. But, you know, it was it was the right amount of kind of, I can actually do this. And I'm actually, every time I failed, I really enjoyed savouring the failure. I think I said this before on the 3DS Wii podcast as well. Like, mm-hmm. just, just taking my time with it and accepting it. Like, things in games annoy me all the time. And I think, you know, like, like things in Animal Crossing at the moment are bothering me. But I've just, my headspace has really changed. You know what I mean? Like things yeah. in Animal Crossing bug me. It's like, why, why is that a thing? Why, why does that happen? <laughs> but it's, again, it's not, it's not the, it, it is the game's problem, but I'm making it more of a problem than maybe what it actually is. It's like, oh, I should be able to do this in this game. And it's just like, <laughs> if you just calm down and just try not to leapfrog <laughs> right. to the next thing straight away, then you'll enjoy what you've got in front of <laughs> you. You could be one of those. Um, I don't know if that's, if the Twitter feed's still going, but there was that, uh, so I can't remember what, exactly what it was called, but it was it was hilarious Steam reviews, basically. So it was like one because it always tells you how many hours played a Steam yeah, review. Yeah. So it was one of those like four hundred and eighty seven hours played, not recommended. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. So like, yeah. I put myself through this for four hundred and eighty seven hours, but it's rubbish. See, I, um, I, I could sort of do that with Sea of Thieves on the wrong day. Right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I played yeah. 500 hours and it's rubbish. Like, yeah. I can kind of get it. Jay, yeah. Jay did that with Destiny 1, to be fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I don't know why we got onto this train of thought, but yeah. No, it's um, interesting. It's all relative. <laughs> and again, it comes back to our one of our mantras that we, we bang on about. And I think it's relevant because it, it sort of ties in with our also that not only is everything subjective, but everything's also contextual in that even... You know, my opinion might be a particular game is was rubbish in my in my experience, but that was that was me then. That was me at that right mm, particular moment, yeah, or, right. or I, I loved you know. And no doubt, when we talk about stuff that we have nostalgia for, if you took out maybe if you took out Windmill Hills, the music and 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 the the uh, you know some of the tunes in this game that really make me smile, like maybe the my overall opinion of the game would reduced just a little bit because of the the nostalgia that comes with with mm. um particularly the the pieces that have been reused from donkey Kong country and that's all that's all contextual so um yeah again i don't know what the point is either but uh it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> one one thing i uh, i also wanted to the other video i mentioned was um it's actually referenced by mark brown in his it's turbo button and it's called uh level design donkey Kong country tropical freeze what he points out is that not only that there's almost um as well as the levels having the 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 interesting escalation and and uh elements uh sort of uh, chemistry of elements that mark brown was talking about they've also kind of got a triple layer of design ethos so you've got the one which is the get through and you know just survive and don't worry about the extra bits. Then there's the looking out for the secrets, looking for the clues on the edge of the screen, the usual little telltale things. Even if you mm. don't have a Squawks parrot, you might see a banana or an enemy in a weird place right. uh, and all that stuff. And that's that ties into the whole going back through the levels and getting the 
the letters and the puzzle pieces. Although I'm sure some there, I'm sure there are players out there who make sure that they do all that on their on their kind of first time through as well. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. Like, do you guys ever set those goals for yourself in your head, like going into a level? Because the way I played the last two Donkey Kong Country games is that, like, if I finished a level and I had six out of seven puzzle pieces, say, like, my brain would not let me move okay. fast until I could go back. Mm. But if I finished a level and I had, like, let's say, you know, two out of seven, oh, I'd right. be like, oh, I have to replay the whole thing. I must have missed the whole theme of things, and I would just move mm. on. Like, it would, huh. I'd put it in that yeah. basket of stuff that I can't complete now, but if I had six out of seven, I'd be like, these... Well, that makes sense. Like, where did they leave that? Yeah. And um, I would go back and do it. That's just the way I did it. I don't know why. It just, in my head, that's the way I had to do it. I don't know. No, I what tend was- to just move on and come back mm. when I'm in the mood. I often, my, my modus operandi with these types of games, including Mario, New Super Mario Brothers, and and stuff is i will move forward in the game until i'm frustrated by a level by a by a sequence and then i'll go back and do an old level because it will feel easier and i can do some relatively chilled sort of looking for secrets and stuff mm. so that's that's my way mine's always i'm gonna 100 percent this game you know i'm gonna go for it fine tooth comb and as soon as i get any kind of friction or resistance i'm like right, well, <laughs> leave that leave that i'll come back to that it'll be fine yeah, yeah. and then like uh, the, the more i play the worse it gets. So by the end of the game, I'm just like, right, just leg it to the end and then I'll go back to mop it all up. And then once I've seen the credits, I then reassess how I really feel about the game and then go yep. back for it or not. Yeah, so. that too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, whenever I turn course, the game on, it's always like 100%, nothing else. Oh, right, really? It, yeah, I'm a bit... No. Well, with my MO, of course, what happens is eventually I do get to the end and then I'm left with what I haven't gone back and done. So, hmm. yeah, that, that, that seems to make sense to me. But uh, yeah, the other the sort of the other element of these levels that um, that the video from the, uh, Turbo Button was talking about is the fact that they're also all designed for speed running. So yeah. we talked a bit earlier about they have a there is a button you can a badge you can get yourself a medal, um, but they are very much designed in uh, people associate this generally with the early Sonic games and whatever. But there is actually a path through each level with. Mm. Which is designed for, so there's often um, bits you can, sections you can make much easier by barreling through them, almost in a Mario style. Yeah. That that old sense of the faster you're going in Mario, the better you're probably doing. Yeah, absolutely. And we said it earlier on with the time attack stuff, like if you're not in tune with how retro studios want you to barrel through these levels, then, you know, you, 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 know, you just try and try again and maybe you'll get it. But yeah, otherwise it's... It's quite intense, but they are they are designed to be right um, manipulated to, with Donkey Kong's kind of locomotion. Right, they are designed in mind with that kind of ethos. Like if you roll at this point, the roll is going to finish at this point, which is when you jump, and that jump will take you this distance to land on this thing. And that that's how the levels are designed. It's um it's incredible how they're designed for one extreme to. Mm. you know potentially another because you could scream for this level at full speed and, it, and it's great if you're good enough to adapt to it but even if you're not like some of the hardest levels in this game so i def- i'd completed or finished just by going really kind of not rolling not running just kind mm. of just just kind of just pressing right on the d-pad and just pressing jump because that's how also the game is also designed it's yeah it really is kind of interesting and you kind of see this in its extremes within the the K levels. That the K levels are that they they seem really really like impossible. 
But mm. if you were to just kind of just slow down a bit, all the levels are designed for you to just kind of just walk and jump through without well, with very little rolling off the edges and what mm. people think Donkey Kong Country is all about. People think that Donkey Kong Country is all about rolling off a ledge and then jumping midair to grab a thing to jump off another thing. But these K levels in Tropical Freeze, if you were to just kind of just slow it down a bit, you'll see that the level is designed just for you to just kind of just press right on the D-pad and jump from yeah. for some of it. And Observation it really, is a big part, isn't it? Yeah, Watching absolutely. animation of both the enemies and the levels and actually working out where the safe points are and when they are. Yeah, yeah. And that's not, And again, I'm not saying this if like to say it's, it's easy because no. don't get me wrong, I was absolutely <laughs> like just pulling my hair out. Like some one of the K-levels took me three nights of just like, right, I'm going to sit down. <sighs> Wow. Give it a couple hours and then see what happens. And and that, that, that might not sound fun for some people, but if you're in the right headspace for it and you want that kind of, that challenge of kind of, you know, being the best at a Donkey Kong game, I was just in the right <laughs> frame of mind for it. And it's like, right, this, this platform that kind of, in, in kind of like of, um, in a galaxy kind of way, there were platforms that kind of flip and flop based on like a timing thing. And you have to obviously jump through at a certain time. But once I realised that Donkey Kong doesn't need to be running all the time or holding down Y to make him run, like you can just kind of just you can just kind of just stroll through it, and the, the level's designed to be completed that way. And yeah, Retro Studios, they yeah, every time they seem to make a game, I seem to really yeah, I'm really kind of like in awe of what they do, even if it's like a 3D adventure action game in Prime or Donkey Kong Country Returns and and Tropical Freeze, they seem to just get it and i can see why people are so um you know anxious no not anxious they're excited as to what they're making next and mm -hmm. if they're not yeah. making what they want then people get upset because retro studios seem to be yeah secretly like incredible at their at their job mm -hmm. you know I mean, they're, they're not out there going we're the best they just make no, the game they keep it, <laughs> they, they they just keep put it pretty low key don't they they do yeah and they're like you know they, you don't really hear much from them at all for years and like what they're doing who knows and it's all like rumors and speculation on the internet and they just put a game out and it's like a 2d platformer like seemingly nothing they've ever worked on before and it's just like god that's like the best in the genre and mm -hmm. yeah so you can anyway I've, I've kind of lost track again but yeah i'm I like Donkey Kong. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Toon Scottoon from the forum says, It's not a surprise that Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze begins with a birthday party. It is absolutely a celebration of the series. A whistle-blowing, rocket-lighting, hard-charging, beat-on-the-ground Mardi Gras-style romp where almost every part of the game looked, sounded and felt the way I remember the original trilogy looking, sounding and feeling back when I first experienced those games on the SNES. Of course, it's not a perfect game. I found the boss encounters altogether too long. But who cares about a couple of tedious polar punching bags when you've got a stage like Grassland Groove, the parade stage that opens the bright savannah world, pulsing along with life and song and joy whenever you need it. Hmm. Brings us on to bosses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they really... I don't understand why... <laughs> for all the praise we've lavished upon retro studios justifiably I, I i agree why do your buses have to have like six seven eight nine hits instead of the yeah. usual three <laughs> or you know it's fine yeah. i i get it i know your game's deliberately designed to be testing and again like the levels that lead up to the bosses watching and learning is an important part but 
there are again as with the previous game just points where the nature of the hitboxes on the enemies and the main characters and the, sometimes the fact that you'll try to jump over something and you'll jump into it and fall backwards into a you know and and again I, you can say it's all about execution but i just feel like they are so prescriptive these bosses they absolutely do not allow for variation or derivation really they are just like learn this pattern and execute it pretty much perfectly with maybe you know you might be able to get lucky with an extra heart popping out if 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 the game deems it worthy but they're beautifully animated and presented and all that sort of thing but what i just don't think they need to require so many hits personally yeah it, it, i just i don't find the bosses in returns or in this one uh to be memorable in any real way except no, for the fact that they're hard yeah. yeah i mean they're hard but like i can't tell you honestly i could tell you specific moments from specific stages in each of these levels but the boss fight was always that kind of just like it was like the hurdle that was stopping me from getting to the next more thing. levels yeah um yeah and i it almost made me not finish the game um because mm -hmm. i really struggle with the final boss in this game um i what i can't remember his name is it just tusk i can't king tusk God, i can't remember walrus dude uh, yeah, is big walrus guy who takes away the ice and then slide. You know, Cold I really boy. struggle with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the thing about it was that there was no for me the only reward to beating that was the end of the game. It wasn't getting rewarded with a whole new world full of new things to discover. Yeah, so I like I literally struggled with motivation there. I ended up beating it, and I'm glad I did. You yeah, know, you got to have the closure, right? And also, exactly, I wouldn't have let you on the show. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, I might have <laughs> but <right>. um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it just yeah, there, there's not a lot of. I mean, the, the bosses themselves have personality, but they're not memorable in any particular way. You know, and despite my massive love for Retro Studios, like the the bosses in their games have always kind of irked me. Like Metroid Prime's bosses are just like some of the most rage inducing things I've experienced. Cause, oh, cause that it's, rock monster! I can't. And the, and the, oh my gosh! You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I just. Ooh. But. You know, as, as much as I don't really enjoy their boss encounters, especially in Tropical Freeze, like like you say, they're unforgettable. They're, they're forgettable. Like <laughs> I'm losing my words. I'm tired. <laughs> but yeah, like I was, I watched a YouTube video of boss encounters, and I was like, it's 36 minutes long for five bosses. Like, what are they doing? And I couldn't really recall <laughs> them being that long. And right. I thought this isn't definitely that. And then, but lo and behold, it was literally just raw gameplay of this person playing, and it was mm. like more often than not just gameplay of them fighting like a walrus on a half pipe and it's just like wow this really was 10 minutes <laughs> right. long and it's just ridiculous yeah i would actually yeah no the final boss i'm, I'm re-looking re at them and now i'm looking at them in a list i'm actually gonna say that there is more variety than perhaps we've given credit for they start you start off with a, a big horned helmeted seal type situation pompey the presumptuous who is <laughs> who is beautifully animated um oh yeah then it's scowl the startling owl and then Baboom the Boisterous, who are a set of three apes, yeah, as I one. recall. Then Fugu the Frightening, the uh, the underwater one, which was yeah. uh, mixed things up a bit. Then uh, then the Polar Bear, who I found quite frustrating. Uh, Bashmaster the Unbreakable. Finally, you finish with Lord Frederick the Snowmad King. Um, okay, so those, so you're you're right. They're more memorable in the sense that those names are incredible. <laughs> I didn't, I don't remember those <laughs> names at all. They what should come up Lord, on the screen, like uh, like Lord in Zelda. Lord Frederick, Lord Frederick, awesome. the Snowmad King. Yeah, he's, he's uh, a big wish, walrus you know, Viking. Yeah. 
now I'm going to make it my point to just remember to learn all of those names because that they sound you describing them was more memorable than me actually fighting them. They should definitely honestly. come out in like WWE style introductions where the names plastered all over the arena <laughs> and you know, they've got their own song. Because, yeah, theme song. Yeah, they right. do it in yeah. Zelda, and they did it in the remake of Star Fox sixty four as well, uh, and yeah. and certain, card. certain other games. In this game, you can spend coins to get capsule toys. Thankfully, the the opening of those is very quick. Uh, although maybe if they did it now, it would be loot box style, uh, <laughs> slow walk on. But uh, there are a lot. There are a lot of enemy types. Ninety nine percent of which I don't know their names because I don't remember enemy names, and there's way too many. But yes, uh, there are now. You would see their names if you got the capsule toys for the bosses oh that's right yeah the opening but, of the capsules is a bit yeah. of an ordeal but yeah it's all right yeah um indeed blue weasel breath from the forum says i was a fan of the first two dkc games back in the day but then hadn't played any of them since having not owned either another nintendo home console until the switch having heard great things about tropical freeze i checked the switch version out from gamefly and decided to give it a whirl I only had a few days to spend with the game before I would return it to get another game. So perhaps foolishly, I opted to use Funky Kong for the playthrough, thinking this would allow me to see as much of the game as quickly as possible. I was good enough at DKC back in the day to finish all 102.3% or whatever of the original is, but I thought maybe I had gotten rusty and would need this easy mode. I really enjoyed the game, feeling like it was the best realisation of what the series had been striving for in previous iterations. Every stage had something new, so it didn't get repetitive. New modes of transit, backgrounds and set pieces. I expected that using Funky would decrease my enjoyment of the game, and I accepted that in advance. But oddly, I think he made the game harder in some places since he only goes solo. I tried and failed to beat the fish boss with Funky about 15 times before switching to Donkey Kong and winning on my first attempt. The visuals of the game and the addition of the supposedly easy mode with Funky made me think this game was going to be for kids or something, but it completely whipped my ass. I gave up <laughs> after dying repeatedly on the extended rocket barrel level, rocket barrel level and sent it back, hoping I'd get to finish it one day. I could have finished it if I'd kept at it, and I definitely would try to rinse it if I bought it, but I didn't feel in invested enough to sink many more precious hours into it at this stage of my life. So mixed reviews for Funky Mode. Did did either of you play with Funky Mode? Did you try it with Ivy at all, Darren? Or no, you know I haven't got it on the Switch, so it's kind of a no go at all. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I forgot. Sorry. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't really check it out. Um, it was yeah. one of those things that I think you talked about before, Leon. That like like glad it's there and glad it's there to keep things. I, I'm all for accessibility in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Uh, but I I I never personally engaged with it. I watched some footage on youtube and it kind mm. of it seems like a complete but my, my mouth was open at the stuff that happens like you can jump on spikes you're like are you are you joking like how what uh, sure he's got a surfboard and he can land on spikes I, I like the animations in front of me like when he's underwater he's got a snorkel and I'm, like, it seems like a mustache or something that looks like a mustache you know, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a good look um, but you know and again like we've said this before in many podcasts over the years but I'm all for accessibility, and I think Nintendo are, are number one in that, and other companies are slowly kind of catching up. Um, but Nintendo have always been like, yeah, just hit this block, and you can be like Gold Luigi for a level, and it's fine. It doesn't matter, does it? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah, it's all, it's all good. 
Yeah, it's better than the. I think I, I personally I prefer it to the, uh, the the lack of funky, and I prefer it to the super guide or whatever it was, super Kong thing that they did in the Wii game. Oh, where it mm-hmm. plays it for you. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was like a gold gold Donkey Kong, was it? Yeah, or was it Donkey shiny, Kong wearing a cape or something? Can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, um, I played some of the game with Funky just because I wanted to see what it was like, and yeah, you know, it's just it's silly but you can tell that it was an additional thing rather than something that the game was built around i would say uh hmm. something to put on the box there was a brief uh meme uh, wasn't there about- wasn't the reveal for this at like some big event and they were like we've got a new thing to show you and it was just this and we were <laughs> like oh really Are you <laughs> it was game awards or e3 right. or something like reggie yeah. came out to you know boast about it and it was just like oh man it was a kind of a bit of of an underwhelming reveal i seem to recall but (laughs) you know uh, overall um like games like mario kart 8dx has a really good accessibility option this should also have one because the game is ridiculously hard and Mm. everyone should play it you know Mm. there's uh some the usual Easter eggs and secrets, as well as the stuff that's actually kind of secret because it's part of the gameplay. But uh, there was, uh, as for a while, undiscovered Metroid Easter egg, I believe. Uh, actual An actual Metroid exists somewhere under the water, and Samus's ship is viewable oh, in right. an underwater stage as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty Yeah, cool. that was um pretty neat. I didn't know about any of that until uh watching videos preparing for the show. But the mm. the the Metro it's it's pretty obscure. Like you yeah. have to swim through a cavern, go out, come back That's in, right. you have to kinda of take damage to swim back to where you were and, and all all you get for your trouble is just this little floaty Metroid in yeah. the background. But it, it's it's neat that it's there. I I love the idea of like like th- there must be, and I don't. I'm someone who's never developed a video game ever. Like the amount of just development time and like real human hours and work <laughs> put in to right. something that you know that most people are never. Like I'm not even talking about an optional side quest or something. Like mm. like this, like an asset was designed, animations were, you know what I mean, and like mm. all of that mm. stuff just just to say that you put it in there. Like that's just that's that's just really cool. Like yeah. uh, that's where you really feel like the human touch of games. You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. cared enough to do that i i just yeah, no, i exactly. love i love that stuff stuff like that is that in my head i can see someone like the whole team's working late and this one person has to stay behind because the whole team is right and they're just like all right yeah. i'm gonna make a metroid <laughs> but then the, the risk of making that putting it into the game and having it work having qa work on it and make sure it works like there's a lot of risk involved in putting easter eggs in games that probably gets overlooked like you don't need to put these things in there because it adds to kind of development pressure because if the easter egg doesn't work then the whole game is kind of scuppered for a little bit and you, you they're like stuff like this really kind of like impresses me because it's like they didn't need to do this like it could it could have taken like x amount of time away from development if it was broken you know like, if it didn't work and then like oh actually your metroid easter egg doesn't work then therefore the game's been it was supposed to go in lot check next week but now we've got to delay it by four weeks you know what i mean like yeah stuff like this like as a retro studios enthusiast, like to see stuff like this, and it's just like really kind of warms the heart. And it kind of goes the same for um, that Shadow of the Colossus remake. They didn't need to make that extra room in there, like you know what I mean. But they did it because they knew that the fans would appreciate it. And right, you've just really got to um, yeah, just just embrace it, man. Because like the games nowadays, I feel like don't really go that crazy in terms of extra features. Like, well, hidden- it's expensive, isn't it? 
Yes, what that's I mean. Exactly like, it. Yeah. Like if, if that Metroid Easter egg didn't work from a QA point of view, like they would have just ripped it out then and it, it could have delayed yeah. the game, and therefore that was thousands of dollars gone. Do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah. It's a risky business, but you know I'm glad someone's doing it out there. Yeah, and the other Easter egg sort of of note is, of course, this being a 2D platformer, which in many ways does hark back to the mid '90s era. He's uh, Kong has idle animations. Of course, he sits down and busts his 3DS out. And uh, there's a there's a a whole slew of different games that he might be playing on it, including some uh, Game Boy stuff, but also his own game, uh, the previous game <laughs> on the series. Also, uh, I think Mario Kart Seven and Super Mario 3D Land as well uh, comes. Yeah. You can't see any of this; you can hear it, but uh, but it's uh, yeah. You got to nice turn touch. the music all the way down in order to really hear it. According yeah. to that, what that video uh, you watched, that was funny. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of Don Kong sitting down to play his own game. Remember, <laughs> remember all that badass stuff I did? Let's go ahead. Let's just relive that. <laughs> Sean S. Thomas from the forum says, I have to admit, when I saw the initial reveal for Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, my heart sank. It felt as if, among a certain circle of friends I had, its unveiling knocked the stuffing out of any chance the Wii U had of being a success. I had enjoyed the final year or so of Wii releases, but for many gamers, Nintendo had a job to do re-engaging and exciting their core audience. So when this was revealed as an early release on the system, alongside other first-party game series, we were still playing Wii iterations of, and with Donkey Kong Country Returns still very fresh in the mind, I don't think it's unfair to say it went down like a fart in a spacesuit. Sales <laughs> figures had shown people liked the series, but the reveal felt like diminishing returns to me. Worse, when it also became apparent a few days later that the mighty retro studios were leading it. Those in the know realised that they, that meant there were years, we were years from a new IP or Metroid Prime sequel. I almost didn't play Tropical Freeze myself, even as a gamer with only a Wii U to my name and a fairly barren collection of new releases most months on the face of the trailers. This seemed to represent everything about Nintendo I had grown frustrated with, such as playing it safe with core franchises directs dedicated to minor gameplay improvements and a nagging sense of deja vu. Eventually I bought it just before I boxed up my Wii U and loaned it to a friend. And thank God I did. Because Tropical Freeze is an astounding game. I'd come off a fairly dazzling run of playing New Super Mario Bros. U, Shovel Knight, Super Guacamole and Rayman Legends, so I didn't know what to expect. And I'd found the inertia and stop-start nature of previous Donkey Kong games a bit leaden. But I never found that here. The weight of the game's main characters felt great, and the sense of gravity being your biggest threat to survival was exhilarating. I loved the levels that pushed you forward and kept you moving. I loved the levels where I felt like I was a passenger on a train out of control. I loved that on a first pass of a level, and often a third or fourth, those Kong letters seemed unreachable. I swore at a few of the boss battle difficulty spikes, but equally I felt the same rush of beating them that games like Dark Souls and Zelda give me. I adored the incredible soundtrack, and I regularly felt like I wanted to replay levels to take in the sheer amount of visual detail. The game has so much going on, but a special word has to go to how the game tells a story through its level design. You can feel the landscape gradually turning from tropical beach to arctic tundra as you progress. Whole levels build on themes in the previous one, such as the fruit processing plant that sees the fruit get picked, chopped, frozen and sold as you play through the world. The vibrant, detailed levels told a story themselves through the environment in a way that normally only large open world games attempt. 
All in all, Tropical Freeze asks a lot of you, but it's always fair and rewarding. And I'm so glad a new generation gets to play it on Switch with the ability to make progress a little easier if needs be. Hmm. Not only uh, actually the fruit gets uh, picked, chopped, frozen and sold, it gets made into ice lollies. <laughs> yeah. And all of it incorporates into the gameplay. It's um, yeah, it's fascinating. Like some yeah, of the, really some of the level design yeah. really is just like, and it's so easy to kind of get too involved in the moment to moment of the Kongs in that you don't, you know, if, if you're really paying attention to how the monkeys are performing on the platforms, you might miss a lot of it and go, yes. oh, all right. But then you have, you look back at it and you, maybe when you're discovering secrets, you'll go, oh, actually, look, they're actually ice lollies that are slipping into the floor off the sticks. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just so like incredible. Like after all these years of 2d platformers that retro studios can come out and just, you know, just deliver a kind of a, just a, a grab bag of variety. It's mad. Mm. All right. We've also got just a little clutch of three word reviews. Craig McAdam says tough, but fun. Simon Nelson. Thanks for funky suits says that stylish level. Toons Katoon says the series Apex. Apex. <laughs> the way you <laughs> confirmed the pun. Uh, yeah, I see. I think Suits means um, rather like the predecessor. This game has a couple of levels that are played in silhouette. Yeah, you have the red tie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that red yeah. tie. It, that, what a cool. Just what a what a cool design I choice. Think that just, I every wonder. time you see it, it's just striking. I don't know if we said this on the other show, but uh, I do wonder if uh, we, we have a route to Bennett Foddy, who who did some work on uh, Ape Out, of course. Yeah. And I do wonder if the silhouette levels of Donkey Kong Country Returns went some way to inspiring that Saul Bass-infused mm. uh, look of, of Ape Out. Yeah, you can see the link, definitely. Mm. Mm. The missing link. Right. so it's been our donkey kong series we started with the original coin op some time ago and have been through not quite all the donkey kong games because there are a few that we couldn't be bothered (laughs) to play (laughs) Um, we basically we didn't want to dedicate whole podcasts to a couple of uh, fairly low wattage entries not to say we never would but we always have to balance the desire uh, for us to play them and for the listeners to hear about them with the interest that they might bring. So King of Swing and, and the others, uh, we apologise to their developers. But uh, but here we are at, was this the most, this must be the most recent game with Donkey Kong in the name? Yeah, I think so. I would think it? so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and obviously the, the latest version is indeed, as we've said, a re-release of a now uh, six-year-old game. This version itself, the Switch version, I say this version, the current version is a couple of years old. Uh, but having been back to it, finally got around to at least finishing it and going halfway through the collecting of the extra bits and bobs, if not the super tough stuff, which uh, may or may not be beyond me, both in terms of time and ability. Uh, my, I think my, I always had a, a, a pretty good opinion of this, having played a couple of worlds when it first came out on the Wii U. But uh, but I think having played it, researched it, thought about it, I think my opinion of it has elevated somewhat. And yeah, I would definitely put this in the, you know, the the I, d- I don't know about uh, things like God tears, but I would put this in the upper echelon of modern contemporary 2D platformers. And 
<laughs> it's not as catchy as God's here, is no, it? No, you're right. <laughs> and also modern and contemporary is uh, is tautologist. So uh, it's, it's a really good currently available platformer. It really harks back to if you enjoyed Rayman Origins and or Legends, if you mm. enjoyed the original Donkey Kong Country games, and maybe, I think crucially, even if you didn't enjoy Donkey Kong Country Returns, either because of the waggle on the Wii or because of the, the lower frame rate and detail on the 3DS, I think there might still be something for you here. As I said, I think maybe you need to be in the right frame of mind. You've got to accept that this is designed to be a challenging game. But there's also, as we talked about, some extraordinary imagination and some bold level design in there that's really worth uh, appreciating embracing some fantastic music from david wise and uh yeah it's quite a challenge but absolutely one that i would just recommend having uh yeah locked into your little case of switch games that you carry around with you mm. if not digital download and uh yeah you may it may even be one of those like like brian almost bounced off the final boss or you might get frustrated at a particular point and not come back to it but i think you'd still get a, an enormous amount out of it up to that stage and uh and yeah i also think it is one of those games that the more you put in the more you get out uh certainly that's been my experience brian yeah i this game really surprised me when I got it on on Switch. It shouldn't have because I had the Wii U copy, uh, but um, for some reason it didn't click for me there, and it really clicked for me on the Switch. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great platform uh, platformer. Um, th- I'm always impressed when a when a series gets to like a fifth entry and still finds ways to surprise you and to be interesting, to be new, to iterate on itself, but also learn lessons from other games in the genres and and be willing to. Uh, except that sometimes maybe the way things were always done weren't always the best and they can always make better get better and make things better and i feel this game does a lot of that um i i I do struggle with some of the boss stuff i do think that there's some parts of the game that you know could be improved but um all in all i think it's just a total solid package and there's something about these games and i i literally smile when i hear darren talk about them all the time because like they just there's a, there's a sense of joy to these Donkey Kong Country games that, like, even when I'm not having fun, I'm having a lot more fun than I am playing other games sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And when these, when these games hit, they hit on a level to where you're just grinning in your ear and, like, like, sometimes dying in a particular way makes you laugh and enjoy the game even more than if you succeeded, you know? Like, it's just, yeah. it's a goof in the, all the best ways. And, um, and now, being able to play it on the Switch, if you have a Switch and you haven't checked it out before, I think it's absolutely worth your time and money um i i can't imagine um somebody walking away from this game thinking that at least that that they were disappointed that they gave it a chance so yeah i think it's uh yeah i think it's an absolute banger yeah i think it's uh it's probably actually helpful to kind of almost forget that there was a 2014 disc (laughs) release and like well this game should be like three pounds by now or something just just think of it as as what it is uh available on the switch uh let's finish with the man himself darren gargett yeah so playing this in you know, on its wii u release up to you know and then giving it a long break until coming back to it for this podcast to finish off the the super secret hard stuff like i i on the right day i'll probably put this at my my favorite of the series and I might not have replayed it as much as, say, other games in the series, but um, I think I've had the most fun with this one out of all of them. Like, I, I think two is 
you know, despite me being credited in two on the GBA, like I, I, I think two is amazing. Um, and it's a, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a masterpiece. Whereas I think Tropical Freeze is, and I heard this on another thing before I started this recording, so I can't remember where I heard it somewhere on YouTube. But they said this is Donkey Kong Country two, to you know, to one is you know back mm. on the snares. Like mm. it's, it's got that similar evolution, you know, and not just because Dixie's in this one compared to the first game or first returns game but i do feel like this takes returns and just kind of just runs with it and makes it a, you know an absolute kind of bona fide classic and you know it might not be the, the most perfect game and after all these kind of 2d platformers that i've played that have really challenged me you know it might not be you know like i say perfect but it definitely is up there with the best and for nintendo to keep or in this case retro studios being kind of managed by Nintendo to keep churning, not churning, creating these these absolute kind of amazing pieces of art and and games. Like I just, it, I'm lost for words with Donkey Kong Trop- Tropical Freeze, and one day I will return to it when Ivy's a little bit older to mm. handle it. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing it again because it is just an absolute kind of riot from start to finish and it is really hard and maybe i will end up getting the switch one for funky mode for for younger hands and i'm more than happy to do that if that's the case because tropical freeze for me is you know rare or retro like like it doesn't matter because tropical freeze is if the wind's blowing in the right direction it pips it to the post and it's number one it's it's incredible and am i bothered that retro are doing metroid prime 4 instead of donkey kong (laughs) maybe (laughs) (laughs) It like it's weird, isn't it? You can't yeah. always get what you want, and right, they need to expand on, two studios. The, the, <laughs> well, the, I I think Retro are actually like very handy in helping out other games. Like they worked on Mario Kart Eight, didn't they? And they were they kind of mm. they're they're in there behind the scenes without you really knowing. And I think Retro Studios have touched a lot on Nintendo stuff that you might not even be aware yeah, of. Yeah, like Monolith. Yeah, I want to know if that Star Fox racer is real. I want to know if they actually <laughs> yeah. worked on something like that. Yeah. <laughs> How about Here's a thought. Do you remember when we talked about the Star Fox series and we successfully predicted Star Fox Zero before it happened (laughs) and they gave it to Platinum? But unfortunately, arguably, they gave it motion controls. How about we have Star Fox, whatever it would be, three, four, by retro? Mm -hmm. You know, I would absolutely. I would like that. I mean, we'll... I'd love to do a Star Fox Zero podcast because that game is um, interesting. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting, yes. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> uh, ultimately, my feelings on Tropical Freeze are very positive. And if you like 2D platformers or just, you know, just games, I think you should you should check it out. And you might not click with it straight away. But if you if you have the right frame of mind for Donkey Kong and just go with the flow, I think there's an absolute yeah classic here. And uh, in years to come, we'll look back and go, you know what? I can't believe it, but they absolutely nailed what the series is all about. Yeah, absolutely love it. and um, Love it. I want to see what happens to Donkey Kong next, because the series has always been, like, for me, like, I've always loved it, but not really, like, obviously slow. I, you know, I don't go around, you know, I, I might have the um, influence with the hair, you know, being, like, a quiffy at times, but mm-hmm. I don't go around going, oh, I love Donkey Kong Country, la da 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 but, like, secretly, like, the he, series he for me... does listen <laughs> The series for me, like, is secretly like one of my favourites, you know. And um, maybe it's because it's monkeys collecting bananas that seems to be a thing for me. But like, 
I want to see what they're doing next for just Donkey Kong as a, as a character or, or series because, yeah, I'm I'm just massively mm. intrigued. Now I'm thinking about which studio, on. if Retro took over Star Fox, who could take over, have another go at Donkey Kong? But I did Platinum, want to mention from, games, from software. From, <laughs> from soft. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, because I just did want to give one more mention. We did mention it earlier. Uh, I've only played a bit of it, but Darren's finished it. Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Yeah, is a real spiritual successor, isn't it? It is. It is really good, and I'm talking from someone who was really hyped for the first ukulele and mm. found it to be, Bum. you know, like Bum. when you when you flip a pancake and it hits the floor, <laughs> and then you slip on the pancake and hurt your head. That's what ukulele was for oh. me. Yeah, me too. Same exact feeling. nightmare. Yep. I backed but, that. It was one one of the few Kickstarters I've ever ever backed, and yeah, and I, I love the idea what they were going for, though. You know, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it didn't quite. But then it. they quietly went back to the drawing board, and rather than making another 3D platformer, they mm. made a spiritual successor to the Donkey Kong Country games and sort um, of ended up making one that, I mean, I haven't played enough of it to say, and I'm, I'm sure you've got your own take on this, but I would say it's it's probably within the ballpark of quality of Tropical Freeze like as yeah. an overall experience. I'd say it's up there with Returns, and it's it sits in between Returns and Tropical Freeze. Right. Like, it's yeah. it's so Moorish, like mm. it has that thing of you want to find everything in the overworld because it's got an interest in overworld. It's not just a yeah, that's right. Island. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, played, and I played maybe only three or four hours of it mm. so far. Um, I need to get back to it. Uh, there, nothing stopped me from playing it. it. It's an absolutely wonderful game from what I've experienced. They've Definitely. just done, or they're just doing an update so that the final level, the notorious impossible layer, has a an alternate. Uh, version which they didn't oh have. good because the, the last level was a nightmare yeah um <laughs> and incredibly they gave it away on epic a while back didn't they yeah yeah, yeah. so uh was it is it game pass anyway this is not the ukulele and the impossible <laughs> layer podcast but it sort of is in a way because if you if you've got this far in the tropical freeze podcast and you want more impossible layer is an absolute yeah yeah great game good shout okay so it remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian and Darren, as well as our correspondents, and to you for listening, and to tell you that next time in issue 417, with great power comes yada yada yada. Marvel Spider-Man, 